0: so hello everyone and welcome back to 20 minute marketing i hope you're all having a great day as always um time to get started and get straight into it so hello Hyatt, how are you today
1: hi i'm good how are you
0: i'm great thank you um could you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and neon moon
1: So, Neon Moon is a body-positive, badass underwear brand for badass women. So, we're all about making women feel amazing and feel good about themselves in our lingerie.
0: Um, So, yeah, very straight-to-the-point description. Um, How long has the company been going for? And I know that you sort of, I believe, started on Kickstarter. Is that right?
1: Yes, that's correct. So, I launched Neon Moon on Kickstarter in 2015 after the help of the Prince's Trust Enterprise program in 2014 because at the time I was unemployed and had a knack for getting fired basically so I couldn't (laughs) hold down a job for love nor money and I felt that it was the perfect opportunity as a 24 year old to just garner some business knowledge and set up Neon Moon However, not having money required me to uh, crowdfund and, and launch it on Kickstarter, which it was successful to a, uh, 150% more than we've raised that I required. And um, it's just been organic growth ever since.
0: Yeah, so started like a true example of starting out right from the very basics and working new way all the way to um, nationally recognized um, in a sense.
1: Exactly. It's like starting uh, from the bottom now we're <laughs> here.
0: <laughs> uh, to um, to get Drake into the uh, podcast. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's just uh, move on right into the main section and talk about marketing. The first question is, as an online retailer, you have so much competition. How do you stand out from a marketing point of view? It's quite a vague one. You can go into as much or as little detail as you want.
1: Standing out is basically the premise of how I've been able to grow Neon Moon to the size that it's currently at the lingerie industry is so saturated with so many different brands and Victoria's Secret is holding the market share that having a different stance and having different values and beliefs that affiliate with people who want to buy from a value-led brand is I guess a A just a differentiator in the market so even if we're a small brand and a small player we are able to have a stance within our own little niche and being niche and having really strong brand core essence is really important in order to have a voice in a saturated market
0: and do you sort of treat people like Victoria's Secret or maybe someone a little bit more out there like ASOS as competitors, or do you just stick to your own thing? And
1: No, I, I don't consider them competitors. And I think this is one of the major um, issues that most brands or startups have is they consider um, brands who don't align with their values, who don't align with their target market as competitors. Now, obviously, I would be naive to uh, disregard Victoria's Secret market share, However, you've got to create a, your own competitor map and see who falls within the quadrant of where you're competing. Are you competing on price? Are you competing on quality? Are you competing on sustainability? I wouldn't compare Neon Moon to those other brands because it just doesn't help you in a weird way. Um, not only from a mental standpoint as a business owner, but also from all every element of your branding and your marketing is geared away from what you should be doing so ignoring the big players and just focusing on yourself and potentially small other players is is way more beneficial
0: it's interesting as well because they have huge brands and they have thousands hundreds thousands of employees and if you get caught up with what they're trying to do you often can just like lose out on the the branding aspects and the side of marketing that you're able to control yourself
1: Exactly. And in order to be able to compete, you need to do extraordinary things and think outside of the box, which luckily these huge brands who have the typical hierarchical uh, pyramids layout of employees, as in you've got to ask your boss and your boss has got to ask their boss and then the person above them has to tick it off and etc., Um, small businesses are lean and we move quicker and we're able to think outside the box and take risks that the bigger brands aren't willing to do. So we're able to disrupt. And I think that's what neon moon has done from the start, because when I launched it on Kickstarter in the very early days, I said, this is a feminist lingerie brand. And everyone was like, what the hell is a feminist lingerie (laughs) brand? (laughs) So, it was a great talking piece and the thing is you want to be Marmite in order to survive otherwise you just be another frilly lingerie brand or just a beige business or a beige brand that doesn't use the typical marketing that really does have an impact nowadays
0: yeah I'm sure if um, if a female or any anyone else saw the label feminist lingerie as opposed to Buy lingerie here. They would be like, ooh, I'm interested to find out what that is. I'm going to click on that one first.
1: Exactly. And that's what marketing is. In a way, it's a way of just communicating a different stance and a different standpoint. And the beauty of being bold and disruptive, which I guess is for most people, they're they're a bit afraid of putting their name or putting their idea out there, especially if it has a bold or really controversial um, aspect to it. And the thing is, I think that's a completely undervalued marketing tool that you have at your disposal because we can compete. We all have social media. We all have different routes to market, which big boys do play in. So having a different voice that makes people not only land on your website so you get more eyeballs, but also it completely dismisses the wrong target customer but makes your target customer love what you're doing because they believe in your ethos and your beliefs and your values that you're just unashamedly marketing. It's just, it's a win-win.
0: Yeah, of course. And I think one thing, like just even spending a few minutes on your website or your social media uh, platforms, you can see that branding plays a huge role in that um how do you sort of maintain that image and is there a criteria or a checklist before you maybe write a blog post or ad copy or a social post or is it whatever comes to mind
1: I would say for us it takes a lot of planning only because we always want to be we always want to post something that's in line with our values for example the whole issue recently with Greta speaking about sustainability I think for a sustainable brand or an ethical brand who focuses on eco-friendly products, that's a perfect talking point for them to jump on and speak about. And we do the same things when it comes to feminism or topics that are aligned with our customer base. It's, it's all about, firstly, you've got to create your tone of voice Are you an innocence movie? Are you a BMW? Are you a Apple? Like, what is your tone of voice? Are you going to be like friendly and playful? Are you going to be super serious? Potentially, if you're in B2B world, you're probably going to be a bit more serious. However, humor might be an aspect to your brand. And then from there, it's about creating your brand values and your brand key. And it's just like a lot of planning. However, once you get it right, it's perfect because it's down on paper And it's on your Mac or your team has it. Or if you have a freelancer come in, they understand exactly how the brand should be portrayed. And then it just flies from there.
0: Even looking at your FAQ pages and your About Us page, there's a a specific tone of voice that is clear um, where it's like positivity and friendliness. Do you think that has a big impact on customer decision making when they're on your site as opposed to maybe an alternative company?
1: For e-commerce brands, I would say definitely. Um, I read somewhere that having an about page and having the photo of the CEO and founder on the about page um, actually converts people more because they've actually put a person to the brand, especially now in the world of drop shipping and all of these smash and grab businesses that are just all over Facebook ads. How do you know that you're buying from an actual person in the UK or where, you're, where you live versus just a scammer. So I think having a very clear, not only imagery, but also having that tone of voice everywhere, all over your brands, and also being unashamedly sharing those posts on your personal uh, social media platforms. So for example, I like to be active on LinkedIn. I don't really post about Uh, neon moon on linkedin just because there's a lot of men (laughs) (laughs) but um if there were more women on my on my list then yeah i would definitely be sharing it there but having that consistency across every single platform that you have is super super key
0: it is interesting that you sort of mentioned your personal linkedin because um your personal linkedin is still just as equally as much a sales platform or uh a way to increase um brand awareness as your actual website if you have a bunch of followers um and friends and connections on linkedin it's it's a great way to showcase the tone across your whole company
1: completely agree and i think linkedin is actually a platform that's being underused and undervalued I was reading a post from a friend on Facebook yesterday asking people to connect with her on LinkedIn and one of her connections said LinkedIn is dead. And I just looked at that and I thought, wow, these, these people are just missing a golden opportunity because marketing is about people, right? Yep. Facebook ads and any form of ads are just a communication to people. So what's the best way of communicating what you're doing and your brand and your business is by actually having people believe in you and people connect with you. That's just an easy sell. It, yeah. it never makes sense to me when people just cannot either push them like push themselves to post vulnerable posts about themselves or pictures on themselves or saying oh god I had an awful day today or saying oh I had a great day today and not being able to share that means that you're always going in cold in my opinion this is why even though I'm on LinkedIn I connect with so many different people in so many different industries around in business and it's perfect because that means I can they can reach out to me to test their software or want me to promote their posts or you know be able to be in that business world without the element of it just being about lingerie, which is not what I'm personally about. I just love business, and I love growing brands from zero to hero.
0: Yeah, and you lose that face-to-face recognition without using the social media platforms such as LinkedIn. If someone's clicking on your ad or something else, you don't necessarily know who it is on the other side of it.
1: Exactly. And if it's a person who is on LinkedIn and saying, hey, I've just secured this round for my business, or I've just started up this venture, or I'm doing this. It's like, whoa, I want to be a part of your journey. And that is essentially what selling is about. It's a a people's game. You're selling from one person to another. So yeah, and LinkedIn's organic um, reach at the minute is absolutely insane. So I think capitalizing on that and, um, is just amazing. I don't know how I've managed to garner like 17,000 followers in the space of a year. <laughs> it's quite a sum. <laughs> yeah like literally this time last year I had less than 500 you know that amount that says 500 plus I had less than that and I was like okay I need to I need to work on this so <laughs> <laughs> started posting. You know? And I
0: think it's another subject to be, have, be had which we won't dive into too much but I noticed on your LinkedIn you have your actual job title on there um whereas other people might have entrepreneurial quotes and things if that makes sense
1: oh completely it makes perfect sense and for me when it comes to employing people um which might be great in terms of people marketing themselves on linkedin when i employ people i don't employ people for what they can do i employ people for how they are like their traits and their skills for example A girl called Shakira that I um hired she's just super hard working she had no experience but she was just super hungry and just made it very very clear across all of her social platforms and she's super funny so I was like yeah this is exactly the kind of woman that I want to be around on a daily basis and And the, the,
0: the training and the experience will come in time of course exactly yeah um i'm just gonna sort of move it back to marketing i read uh, a blog interview of yourself actually i don't i think it was from a few months ago might even been a year or so um, about how you when your company was growing you kind of stalled production of new products um because you were so focused on the marketing elements of it did you find that launching those new product ranges is um easier or do you think it's better to sort of stick to the top selling items and focus on those from a marketing angle?
1: Um, from a marketing angle I think from a sales angle I think the Pareto principle um, dictates which is you know 80% of your sales will, will come from 20% of your products yeah and delving into that data from a marketing standpoint is is key because if you know that one product will will make 80% of your sales then why aren't you advertising that product you know why aren't you pushing that just one that one product out all of the time because if they're most likely never going to buy or your bread and butter isn't the other um 80% of products then just focus on that 20% really
0: So I'm just going to keep it quite generic because I think we've we've gone quite specific for the first 10 minutes what would you yeah. say for Neon Moon? The channels that you find most effective are that we might not have mentioned so far, maybe SMS or billboards or direct mail, for example.
1: I would say email is definitely the email um, newsletter always gives a ROI. And in, I think because we haven't really spent a lot on advertising, I would I would say like word of mouth within our sphere and also PR. PR has been one of the most, I don't know why it's so um, overlooked, but PR has amazing ROI in terms of not only for SEO purposes because you're building your backlinks, but also for just getting people to be aware about your brands, but also from a reputable publication And a a lot of small brands that I speak to ask for my advice, they are so afraid of contacting journalists. And it blows my mind because when I launched Neon Moon, I literally just contacted every single major journalist and every single major publication here in the UK. And then it just spreads uh, to America and all over the world. Like we went viral a good few times because you just got to be unafraid. And I think PR is definitely one that, it's so overlooked.
0: Yeah I think it's um, the challenges of PR always seem to get just thrown to the bottom of the list of tasks in in marketing in in a sense. Um, I know for certain that I'm not the most uh, proactive in contacting journalists about stories. I think the industry that I'm in is a little bit more difficult than sort of the angle that you can take Um, but it's just all about getting out there and you might get quite a lot of people saying no but when you get that one person to say yeah it it can really open up a lot of um, doors for you.
1: Exactly and that one door that opens most journalists look at other people's writing and other publications that they can jump on um, in terms of topics but when it comes to marketing I think there are two key points in terms of what um, marketing tools and platforms that you use is number one you've got to keep thinking about the long-term why people don't think about pr and seo necessarily is because it's a long-term gain it's it's not um, a facebook ad that can get you instant sales it's it's thinking about the long-term value of your brand and business and the second is never to have all your eggs in one basket and this is a major thing that i've learned um most brands tend to just focus on solely on seo or solely on facebook ads or solely on linkedin ads or or trade shows or whatever when actually you should be doing every single one of them at all times and then optimize um those platforms which sounds insane but you have to find out where your target customer is and work on them all at the same time and never have all your eggs in one basket
0: and I think for someone who's sort of new, that might sound extremely overwhelming, but you don't have to put much money in all of them. You can, you can run ads very cheaply across Google, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, etc. And then if one of them's not working after a month or six weeks or enough time to collect data, then you make the t- decision about investing that in one of the other ones, that, which might be working a little bit better. Exactly. Um, and then what would you say um, just going to sort of summarize this main section now, cause we're coming up on um, like 18 to 20 minutes or so. What would you say the favorite part about marketing neon moon is for yourself? If like maybe a daily task that you do or something like that.
1: For me personally, it's being it's the controversial disruptive element that makes me super happy because me personally, I like to have a stance and have a say and um, making people upset and making people love the brand is is kind of part of it it's part, mm. and part of it and I could never create a campaign or never create a post that was just run of the mill or any other lingerie brand could do that I I would I would rather not post at all I will only post something or have people post something when it's it it makes people engage it makes people have a stance do you love it or do you hate it and I think that's, that's a key element of most major brands is they have a stance on something.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good way to sort of summarise in a sense that if you just do the basic um, and the, the normality all the time, people probably just won't notice, which is tough, but it's just, it's the reality of it. Um, have an opinion on something and, and go with it. Exactly. Um, So, yeah, we're just going to move on to the graduate advice section. Um, Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be back in one moment. Okay, so just time to finish off and chat a little bit about graduate advice. Um, So I believe, Hayat, that you were the first person in your family to go to university, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, that's, that's correct.
0: And then you got tired of getting fired at entry-level jobs, which we've mentioned that led to you setting up your own company. So could you tell us sort of, um, for someone that might be in a similar position, just getting, going out of university and leaving, um, maybe some advice on how to get started and land that first career job or maybe set up a business?
1: In order to get started, I think in terms of joining a company, it's all about persistence. What I realized, and especially when I worked as a recruiter is most people, they don't, they just send their CV and cover letter in once and then they leave it. And I totally understand it's because they've got like hundreds to apply to. However, doing 10 really, really well and just following up on the CEO and, and finding who they are on LinkedIn and sending them a LinkedIn message or getting active and finding out their email or seeing where they're speaking at and attending that free speaking gig. These little steps make you stand out way more than just the person who sent another email. It's all about thinking outside of the box. And I don't know if some of your listeners see those articles online where it's like person stands outside tube station holding CVs to hand out and they land a job. I think it really is just thinking, how can I stand out? How can I stand out against everyone across the country and make myself employed right now because I deserve it?
0: Um, Yeah, I think that's a very good point about focusing on 10 or 12, um, maybe, um, and then directing all of your efforts at those ones. I fell into the guilty trap of just going for quantity instead of really diving down on, all right, how could I improve this company or how could I do that? Um, So if you were sort of hiring someone right now who might not have the technical knowledge, maybe hasn't ever set up an ad campaign before, um, what traits would you be looking for um, from them?
1: If a person had zero technical skills, the only thing I can invest in is them personally. So their personality first and foremost, are they going to show up on time? Are they going to be hardworking? Can they get on with people? Can they look presentable? And also, can they market themselves? Because if they can market themselves on social media, on YouTube, on uh, LinkedIn, on their own little thing, like they could speak about anything, literally. They could speak about their trainer collection. They can speak about flowers. They can speak about literally anything and everything. If they can do that well with passion... I can see potential in them and say, okay, they've spoken about lamps, you know, all across the world that they absolutely love and have passion for. I can apply this person into my company. I can see how they can, they can transition into my company. And I think that's how most people are. They hire a person that they can work with and person that they like and person who can actively market themselves and see the potential for them to do that for their own business too
0: Uh, i think yeah i think that's a great way to finish off um basically get active in something um whether it doesn't matter what you're passionate in it could be absolutely anything uh set up an instagram account or set up a wordpress account or even just use linkedin and start showcasing it exactly Um, Yeah, so we're going to finish off there. Thank you so much for being an awesome guest, Hyatt. And stay tuned for episode 13 coming soon, everyone.